So tonight I want to talk about the blessing of honoring fathers. So that when we do it tomorrow, you understand why we do it. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and verse 6. I'm reading the King James Version. Malachi is one of the last prophets, the last books of the Old Testament that we read. And chapter 4 is like the last chapter. So it's almost like to close out everything, God says through the prophet Malachi, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And he will turn the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, it's very interesting that when John the Baptist came in, in terms of ministry, when Jesus talked about John the Baptist in Matthew 11, and I believe it's Matthew 17, he said to the people of his day, Elijah has come. And the people were confused. They said, but this is John the Baptist. You know, it's not Elijah who has been raised from the dead. But then you read this scripture where he says that before Jesus comes back, he's going to send back Elijah. Yeah. Bishop, how are you? Sorry, I didn't greet you today. How are you? <laughs> I think I just got in. Bless you, my friend. Thank you. Me, my second is here. Was it not? Okay, yeah. Well, bless you. Well, bless you. Sorry, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, when you read this scripture, many Bible scholars agree that it is not so much that Elijah as a person will come, but that the spirit of Elijah will come. Let me explain further. Some of you are not sure if you want to say amen or not because I said the spirit of Elijah. No, I'm not talking about Elijah the ghost. The spirit of Elijah, no. When we talk about the spirit of a person, is their heart, their attitude. In this instance, the heart, the attitude, what Elijah represents, what he carried, which is the spirit of fathering, and I'm going to show you in a while. So God is saying, before Jesus comes back, this is a prophecy. Before Jesus comes back, there's something that's going to happen in our world. God is going to turn, let's have that verse on the screen, please. He's going to send Elijah. Before Jesus comes back, he's going to send Elijah. And when Elijah comes, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So there's going to be a, a prophetic move or a ministry like that of Elijah who represents a father. And that spirit or that anointing or that move or that visitation of God or that revival that would come, one of the major things that God's going to do before Jesus comes back is to reconcile the hearts of the fathers to the hearts of the children. Now, this is an important thing because I'm going to show you some of the studies, those that are even secular, 
how a father is so critical in the life of a child. Now, when I speak of father tonight, I'm not only talking about father male or father like the one who gave birth to you naturally. I'm talking about a spiritual father. I'm speaking about the role of a father. As a woman, you can still play that role. Spiritually speaking, you can still be somebody's spiritual father. So as I use the word father, think about it broadly tonight. So God says he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. That expression, turn, speaks of restoration. So God is saying there's going to be a restoration, a reconciliation between fathers and children. That word restoration in the Bible means the following. To set something again into its original order. When you read the Bible, the Bible shows us what the picture of a father is. It's very interesting. As much as God does describe himself in feminine qualities, and some of his name have very feminine qualities, but it's amazing that he presents himself as a father. Why is it so? Because as you see all around the world, Bazalana, the issue between fathers and children is a big one. And the impact of a father in the life of a child is a big one. I mean, I'm so sad. Today I just heard on the news, the, the student who was killed, I forget her name. The young girl, there's a memorial service high today. What's her name? Precious man? Ramabulan. Precious Ramabulan. I mean, if you listen, Bazalana, to the atrocities that men are committing, the things that we are doing as men, you know. I mean, the Chief Justice was talking about it yesterday. He said, you know what? We are sick. We, 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 we need to be helped. But studies are showing more and more. I think one of uh, our members uh, uh, one of our uh, uh, members who's helped us is a legal person, and he deals in that area in terms of Moasebetsang in court. He sent me a, 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 a some, something, I, I'm, and in it, he's saying, it's, it's, it's a proven thing, Bazalana, as they look at people who are repeated offenders and people who are committing these type of crimes. As you trace back, many of them have an absentee father. Many. So the, this crisis is a big one. And God is saying, I'm going to give attention to it. I've got to bring back the hearts of the children to their fathers. Yeah. I'll encourage me tonight, please. Yeah. So the word, the word, when he says, I will turn the hearts of the children, it's about restoration. Restoration speaks of the putting back into existence or into use that which has been lost, misplaced, or stolen. The role of a father and where it belongs is a role that has not been fully expressed and fully realized. So God says, I'm going to bring back that spirit of Elijah. Why? Because Elijah carried a fathering spirit. Now, what are the signs of being a father? What are the signs? The first one is fathers have the ability to produce offspring. Physically and spiritually. Elijah, when you look at him, and you'll find this interesting. 
He was able to produce an offspring called Elisha. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. So a spiritual father, you have spiritual sons and daughters. They become your offspring. You give birth to them in the gospel and you nurture them as well. You bring them into a place of where they can realize their potential. Now, many of you don't realize this. It's very funny that the same Elisha, who was an offspring of Elijah, he did not produce offspring like his father Elijah. It's funny that Elisha carried a double portion of Elijah. Elisha did more than what Elijah did, but Elisha didn't have a fathering spirit. You can be an anointed man of God and not be a father. That's why in the book of Corinthians, when Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he says, though you may have many teachers, you only have one father. In fact, he says you only have one father and not one father in the sense of one kamunwana oi one. No, you, you, are, and I'm going to show you, there are different fathers in your life. But what he says that it's not everybody who's anointed and who leads a church and who's preaching carries a fathering spirit. There are leaders who don't have a fathering spirit. They don't know how to father. They don't have that anointing. Watch this, Barcelona. Elisha, it's an unbelievable. Instead, what he did, he didn't produce his son. What he did was, he cursed his only spiritual son that God had given him. In 2 Kings 5, verse 20 to 27, I'm not going to read it, he cursed Gehazi. Not only that, one day he was walking down the road and there were children who were making fun of him because of his bald head. Are you making fun of me? And because they made fun of him, he cursed them and they were eaten up by lions. Yeah. Second, Second Kings, rather, 2 verse 23 to 25. So he couldn't produce offspring. He doesn't know how to bring children and raise them. When children are being children, he doesn't know how to deal with it. Not a father. Yeah. Secondly, fathers have a large heart of forgiveness. Now let me show you something. Elijah brought up Elisha. And Elijah, many of you may not know, was deserted by his first servant. But even if he was deserted and betrayed by his first servant, a father's heart, you'll still take another and try someone else again. A father's heart can be, can be stabbed how many times a father will still have faith in somebody else. Yeah. And when Elisha was following Elijah, Elijah strictly told him not to follow him to Jericho and to Jordan and to Gilgal and to Bethel. That's in 2 Kings chapter 2. He told him straight, don't follow me. Mara Elisha followed. 
Now, if it was Elisha and he was followed, he would have cast them. But Elijah, because he has a fathering spirit, instead of becoming angry and cursing Elijah, he opened up his heart. Even when the same guy who didn't listen to him asked for a double portion, (laughs) he was still open to the request. Here's the point. Fathers have space in their hearts for all sorts of people. And that's why when you're looking at a father, fathering, you won't understand them. This is why the prodigal son could be restored by his father. This father had to handle the brother of the prodigal son and the prodigal son all in one house. And both of them have issues with him. But he knows how to navigate the two because that's a father's heart. Are you there tonight, Bazalon? Number three. A father provides for his children in the natural and in the spiritual. You see, the role of the father is so expressed so well in the Lord's prayer. Our father, which is in heaven. Then there's a person that says, give us this day uh, our daily bread. When you are a father, you provide for your children. Now, we don't mind being blessed as fathers. But fathers bless their children. Yeah. Many times when I travel with people, I pay for them. Now, I'm not saying you mustn't pay for me now. I always have a challenge when I'm with Pastor Ray. He will not let me pay when we are at a restaurant. The only way for me to pay is to act like I'm going to the toilet and then pay for the bill at some point. That's the only way I can pay. I don't know. And I'm, I'm thinking. Now, Pazalana, please don't misunderstand me. You must bless the fathers now. But a father, even when your children are grown up, you still buy them gifts. You're a father. You, 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 how about the child You don't want the money you provide. But spiritually so, you provide in preaching and teaching. A real father goes all the way out to bring the best salmon and the best meal to his children. Yeah. Works very hard, tries their best. A father provides direction, guidance, protection, wisdom. A father is a provider. And therefore, when fathers come into our lives, a number of things happen. When fathers come on the scene, a number of things happen. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Rome. He says in Romans chapter 1 verse 11, he says, For I long to see you. (laughs) Not that I should get from you. He says that I may do what? I'm a little bit tonight. A father, a father is standing here trying to feed you. You are not acting like good children. Let's hear that I may do what? I may do what? I, I, I want to see you. I'm, I'm in a hurry to see you. I long to see you. I have such a desire to see you. To, to give to you. Hey. 
I long to see you that I may impart unto you, read that verse, and this is important, some spiritual gift to the end that you may be, to the end that you may be, let's break it down for you. This letter was written by Paul to the Christians in Rome. First of all, Paul starts introducing himself. Because customarily, the letters opened with the name of the sender and the sender's title and the name of the addressees and so on. So he says, Paul, the apostle to the church at, then he says, greetings. Most of the time when these letters were written and these speeches were written, they began by establishing the credibility of the speaker. What the Greeks called the ethos. This beginning didn't prove the speaker's point, but it helped the audience to listen to them in a certain mode with respect. So Paul introduces himself, lays out who he is, and then he expresses his concern for them. In the same way, he always would express concern to the churches that he had founded. It's interesting that Paul's concern for the church in Rome, given the fact that he was unknown to many of them. Yet, he wanted to assure them that he was deeply concerned about their welfare. And when you read the book of Rome, and when you read chapter 1, you note the following things in chapter 1. Number 1, he's thankful for them in verse 8. Number 2, he prayed for them in verse 9 and 10. Number 3, he tells them he loved them in verse 11 and 12. And verse 12, he says, I long to see you. Then in verse 13 he says, I am indebted to you. And my debt is to preach the gospel to you. And then he, he kind of goes on in verse 15. He says, I am so eager to visit with you. So his eagerness is to visit. His longing is to see them. And it's captured in that verse 12. He says, I'm longing to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that I may be established. So Paul speaks as a father to the church in Rome and spells out what the ministry, the involvement, the participation, and the effect of the father is on his sons and daughters. He says two major things a father does. Number one, a father imparts Number two, a father establishes. Oh, so the ministry of a father is to impart to the children and to establish the children. Note, the text says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Now, the West Word Study Commentary from the, of the Greek New Testament comments as follows. He says, the spiritual gift that Paul is talking about speaks of a favor received without merit on the recipient's part. When he talks about the spiritual gift, it's not tongues and interpretation or anything. He says, no, no, I want to impart to you a favor. Even if Lileba Anaba Chichi Rizang, I still want to bless you with favor. Oh, that's what a father does. That's what a father does. He says, I, 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 I'm longing to give you such favor and impart favor to you, even if you don't deserve it. Which means this, Barcelon. This denotes the extraordinary powers that are bestowed upon a father. Bestowed by the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit puts that upon a person's life. In fact, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.6, he says to him, he says, stir up the gift that's in you that was imparted to you by the laying on of hands. And he says to him, do the work of an evangelist. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying it is through a relationship, the involvement and the participation of a father in the children's life that the supernatural impartation comes upon the sons and the daughters. That is why people who don't stay under fathers, who don't, who don't connect to fathers, even if they are gifted, even if they are called, they never maximize in anything that they have. The more I have stayed under fathers is the more I, I received impartation. And impartation high one, he high two, he high three, he high ten, he high thousand, he high million, he hung out of it. And he says that impartation will result in you being established. Oh, Jesus. He says, to the end that you may be established. Which says, the purpose of the impartation of this gift was that they might be established both in their Christian character and their service and calling. In other words, you will last. In other words, you'll be there even years to come. In other words, your ministry will grow, your business will grow, your life will grow. Are you here, Basalan? I know people, I know people that we started with years ago who were more gifted, more anointed, but they never connected with their fathers. They were doing something, they were doing some work. When I look back, there is no sign of any of that. But I look at us who have stayed under fathers. I looked at us who have stayed under fathers. My goodness, not only did we receive impartation, here we are, we are established. Rebels never get established. People who despise fathering never get established. But when you are established is when what you are doing is there to stay. There are people who only are hot for one year. Their thing only works for three years. After three years, there's no sign. There's no sign. You can't even point. But my goodness, when a father is involved in your life, here we are going, Barcelona, for 36 years. Why? Because we got fathers. 36 years. Because we got fathers. Yeah. And not only are we established, we're growing even more. Barcelona, some of you, you don't realize there is no limit in how far God can take you. Yeah? God wants to take you even further than that German car. Huh? Huh? You, you are staying in a gated community. You think you have arrived. No, house of Italy. There is still much more that God wants to give to you. But the mistake that people make is when they connect to fathers and God starts working in their lives, the minute things work for them, they disconnect. I've seen people disconnect. I've seen people just totally disconnect. Let, let me say this whilst I'm on it, Bazalan. Let me say this whilst I'm on it. This is on many levels. The first level is this. When you go to a church and you connect with it 
And when you sit there, you can really connect with it. Particularly if you're looking for one and you don't have one. Stay there. Stay there. I'm telling you, stay there. Because I watched in my life, I can actually tell you certain years where my life changed so much. Secondly, as a, as a pastor, God has led me to people that are connected with as fathers. There are those when they preach, I can hear what they're saying. Now, I may not necessarily go under their ministry, but I listen to their teaching. Or I relate with them. You know, that's why I'm encouraging all these young pastors to relate with somebody, relate with somebody. I see lots of young pastors, they, they don't relate with anybody, they hang around themselves. You can't hang around your age group. You've got to hang around some, some bold-headed somebody who... Uh, yeah. Hang around somebody who's senior. I've hung around senior leaders. I've hung around them. I've, I've listened. And when I'm with them, I don't talk much. I just listen. And I can tell you, every one of them, your late father, he was my first pastor of a, of a Pentecostal church. My first pastor that I was exposed to of a Pentecostal church. From him, I received the spirit of pastoring and fathering. That's what I got from your dad. When I watched him, when I watched him, I mean, there was a time when we were afraid to talk to him, you know, as young people. But as, as he got older, so your relationship and the dynamics of your relationships with your father change with time. Yeah, yeah. So he dedicated that other building there, your children's church. And I didn't know he loves children. Yeah. When I met Pastor Ray, there was another anointing. Dr. Mashwang, an anointing. My late father, another anointing. And I don't want you ladies to take offense. Only a father can feed certain things to a child. In the same way, only a mother can feed certain things to a child. A father can't. No matter how great a father you are. There are things you can't reach because you're not a woman. You're not a mother. You can't reach there. Yeah. Paul says, I long to see you. That I may impart. These people who come and drain your money, the first thing they talk about is money. They are not fathers. They are not fathers. Those who come and prophesy the money out of your pocket, a father instead gives you money. Ah, come on now. Don't look at me like that. A father gives you money. Yeah. These people who come and try to bring down what you have, try to talk you down, discourage you, that's not a father. Any father, even naturally, any father, you want your children to be better than you. Any father, you celebrate, you celebrate, you celebrate, you celebrate the achievement of your children. Now, they mustn't get big-headed and think that they're your equal because they're not your equal. They're not your equal. I mean, my own late father, when I became a pastor, he came to support me in the church. He resigned from the Dutch Reformed Church. He went and told the pastor, he said, my son has started a church. I'm going to help him ever since Atlon Tusa. <laughs> Until his last day or death. And it was so difficult for me to lead my own dad. Very difficult. There was a time he used to interpret for me. When I preached, he would interpret. My own dad, yes. You know, when I saw that, I just couldn't believe it. You know, it's amazing. In church, he's a congregant. 
When you go home, he's my father. <laughs> it, it was, it was, he was a board member. You know, and then uh, sometimes when I'm upset with the board, I wasn't sure what I must say. <laughs> because I'm going to go home afterwards. And I don't remember one day where he ever had an issue. When I was leading in the church, he let me lead. He understood the mental I wore. Oh, I, learned, I watched him. I said, my goodness. May that spirit of a father come upon your life in the name of Jesus. We need fathers. We've seen ministers exploit people. That people don't know fathers. Some of you, even when you meet a good father, you don't recognize them. You don't, you don't know a good father when you meet them. Because unfortunately, that hasn't been our experience. What's the effect of a father's involvement in a child's life? Let me give you scientific research. This is a lot. I'm going to run quickly with it. This is scientific research. This is not Christian, this is not Christian people. Are you listening to me, Bazaranen? This you can go on the internet. You can go and search, go read all these books. You'll find all this information. Here we go. An involved father is one who takes the initiative. Research shows that the effects of an involved father in the lives of children has the following things. And by involved father, they mean the following. Time spent together, the accessibility and availability of the father, and a father spending time doing certain routines with the child. All right? When these three things happen, not only three, but when these three things happen, it affects the child in the following things. Number one, in their cognitive ability. When you talk about cognition or cognitive ability, is the act of knowing, perception, and awareness. Infants of highly involved fathers are measured by the amount of interaction, including high levels of play, caregiving activities, and more cognitively competent at six months. They score higher than the infants of the of the who don't have involved fathers. By one year, they have higher cognitive functions. They are better at problem solving as toddlers. They have a higher IQ by the age of three. It's been found out that in children of involved fathers perform better academically in terms of achievement. Not only that, they say a father's academic support was positively related to the adolescent boy's academic motivation. And they want to try harder in school. They feel that their grades are important and they place a high value on education. They also find that these children will also want to participate in extracurricular activities and move on to graduate. They are also less likely to fail a grade, have poor performance, be suspended at school, be expelled, and have behavioral problems. You can see what we're dealing with in society. You can hear even the heavens are saying amen to me. Just at that point, the heavens said amen. You're sitting there in church, you're not saying amen. Uh, 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 the heavens so far from here, the heavens are saying amen. You are sitting right in front of me. You are not saying anything. All of that is found in 
Zimmerman and Slim and Notaro, uh, something they wrote in the year 2000. Secondly, they found that the emotional development and well-being of these children is different. Infants whose fathers are involved in their care are more likely to be securely attached to them. They are more better to handle strange situations. They are more resilient to face stress and situations. Those children are more curious, eager to explore. They relate more maturely to strangers. They react more competently to complex and, and, and novel stimuli. Therefore, they found out that a father's involvement correlates with a child's overall life satisfaction. See, when a father is involved, you don't go look for love in places that are strange. As a boy or as a girl, you don't. I've, I've actually myself observed it. Women folk who have grown up with a father who was involved in their lives, they are not easily, they are not easily lied to and misled by the cheap love of a boyfriend. But unfortunately, when that gap is there, you find that they, they want to just be loved so much. And they throw themselves at everything up in Yeah, I will teach my brother. Thank you. They don't like my sermon. The same with boys. They found out that children whose fathers are involved are less emotionally distressed. They express less negative emotions such as fear and guilt. They have less psychological distress. They have a greater sense of social compliance and competence. So now you see people who are social rebels. All they're trying to do is to get approval. Yeah. They said the father's involvement contributes significantly and independently to an adolescent's happiness. Children of involved fathers are more likely to demonstrate a greater internal locus or control. When you see children engage in extreme behavior, extreme moral bad behavior, there's a gap there. Ah, you don't like that. I can see you don't like that. Thirdly, they find a decrease in negative child development outcomes. In other words, children of involved fathers are less likely to engage in delinquent behavior. They are associated with less substance abuse among adolescents, less delinquency, less drug use, truancy, stealing, less drinking, and sex, early sex. Is it really a lot to like it? I knew. I knew. The relationship between prior drug use and adolescent marijuana is excluded, therefore. Therefore, a close relationship reduces the risks of children's engagement in multiple or first time risky behavior. The converse part of it is that children whose fathers are not involved are more likely to be involved in permissive behavior. In fact, adolescents who strongly identified with their fathers were 80% less likely to have been in jail and 75% less likely to become unwed parents. 
No, this is research. This is, this is, these are not Christian people. These are not Christian people. Then they said the benefits of an involved father, men who are involved fathers, they feel more self-confident and effective parents. They find parenthood more satisfying. They feel more intrinsically important in their child's life. They feel encouraged to be even more involved. Therefore, when fathers spend time with their children, it provides them an opportunity to display affection and to nurture their children. I never will forget this picture, Bazar. And I know I've told you a thousand times, and Skela Waranke, it's only 50 kitolobilela a thousand more times. We were on a line crossers event, Neribita Men's Fellowship at the time. And we were out on a picnic, and I saw this father with his teenage daughter. And they were sitting there hugging and talking, looking at each other in the eyes. Just talking so nicely, Valentin. I watched, I watched from the distance, I watched, I went, wow. I wonder if this young girl understands the gift. That she's getting. Not so, many, not so many have the privilege to be hugged by a male who has no sexual intentions. Nothing. Who doesn't objectify you. Loves you for who you are. Pure love. Pure hug. No, no incest. No anything. Nothing. And they were looking at each other and talking. I was watching this. I thought, wow. Shabayaba. Look at your neighbor and say, Shabayaba. What a gift. So that talks about the involved fathers. Now, so what's the blessing, therefore, of honoring fathers? Number one, it releases the highest kind of blessing. Let me have Ephesians chapter 6, please. Verse 1. To verse 3. Are you still with me, Barcelona? Yes. Are you still listening tonight? Yes. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 3. Hearing, children do what? Balang, balang, balang. Hearing, children obey your parents. Yeah, for this is what? Now, it's talking about both natural and spiritual parents. This is right. Now note, next verse. Honor who? Your father and mother, yeah. Which is what? Not only is it a commandment, it has a promise. Honoring. Honor is a choice you make. You see, some of you say, no, you don't deserve my respect. So-and-so doesn't deserve my respect. You got to earn my respect. There's nothing like that according to God. Some of you, you have pictures of some of these celebrities as your screensaver. You use them as an emoji on your WhatsApp. And some of those people are the worst moral people that we have ever seen. Mara, you fall all over them. If they were to greet you, you won't wash your hand for two weeks. Come on, don't give me that look. And there are people who drink, who party. They are womanizers, menizers. They live in adultery, in sin. They do drugs. They drink alcohol. They do all kinds of funny things. But you are so honored to use them as your screensaver. 
You even change your face to look like them on your WhatsApp thing. Come on, don't look at me like that. If they were to come here, you would scream, Aah! You scream more for someone who is immoral, someone who doesn't love God, who drinks, than for people who are spiritual, who like you and who love you. Oh, God help me tonight. I feel a radical anointing here. You will tell everybody the way you met so and so. You will post your picture everywhere with so and so, but you will not even post the picture of your pastor. Shame on you. I said shame on you. You have people who are trying to lead you into righteousness, lead you in the things of God. They feed you God's word. They pray God's blessings over you. They lay hands on you when you are sick. They visit you in hospital. They try and raise you up. They do the best to feed you with God's word. But one small thing they do, you say a lot of things about you. Shame on you. And then you say, when so I can't respect him. And you respect somebody who's peddling drugs, drinking alcohol, sleeping around. Shame on you. We've made a mistake, Barcelona, to elevate secular people and elevate celebrities above your own spiritual parents and above your own natural parents every day. Your mom was sitting somewhere selling oranges at the street corner, selling bananas at the street corner. They financed your studies. They raised you up. They changed your nappies. Now that you say they don't have your respect. Shame on you. 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 I was listening to one pastor. We were preaching in 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 in, in Guiana, yeah? It was in Sanin, wherever we were, in the AFM church. And he was preaching and he was co- complaining about what the young people are starting to do in the villages. These kids who come from there. Came here to Johannesburg, they are, in, they are at Vert, they are at UJ, and they are doing well, and they are studying, and they are getting great jobs, and they are buying the Vurpas. Now when they go home, they are too important for the village they came from. Too important for the mother who raised them up. And yeah. Because Mewamona is the one who's sitting at the corner selling, selling mangoes and selling bananas. And now that he's got some education, he's telling us, and this minister says, let me tell you why your mother is smelling. Maybe you don't know. When you were young, you used to poo on yourself. And your mother wiped you, messed herself up with your poo. When she had you on your back, you weed on her. When you had, when you had, uh, uh, 
mucus coming out of you. You know how they do with the old ladies? They don't use a tissue, they use their mouth. Um, ah, somebody is here in the world. How no chogos, how no chogos, how no chogos, but how no chogos, you were vomiting, they use their head. That's why Anuha. Shame on you. Shame on you. You wonder why your life is not going anywhere? You're honoring somebody. You don't even know Beyonce from a bar of salt. She doesn't even know you. She doesn't even care about you. And you're so proud. You use her as a screensaver. And your mother who used to wipe your poo. Your mom who used to carry you on her back, take you to school, walk you to school, pick you up from school and do that. You must earn your respect. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Honor is a choice. I'm telling you. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. You are honoring Beyonce on Samutsibi. It's a choice. It's a choice. I said honor is a choice. It's a choice. Even honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The first, not the second, not the third, the first. You know when God says number one, when God says first, that unlocks everything. Some of you young people, I'll be honest with you. I see you have education. I see you have opportunities. I see you are intelligent. I see you know things. But you can't figure out why your life is not going anywhere. Let me tell you as a prophet of God, you are the most dishonoring piece of something that I've never seen in my life. Yeah. You are so full of yourself. So full of self-importance that everybody else is number two. You are this big thing. I've talked to many young people. They can't figure out why their life is going in circles. You get a job, you lose it. You buy a car, it crashes. You buy a house, it gets repossessed. You get on plate, they, they retrench you. You can't figure out. You can't figure out. People never ever link it to the dishonor. They never. They never. Of all the things, personally, I made up my mind when I was a child. I'm going to honor my parents. No, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things I didn't know before my father was, before he passed on. But later on, I learned. I'd go on my knees and ask my mom to bless me. Go on my knees. Ask her to bless me. I didn't always agree with her. I wasn't always happy with what she said to me. I didn't like the things she did sometimes. But when you honor, you guard what you say with your mouth. But some of you, you can tell your parent, I hate you. That, that, that's what Western civilization is teaching you. That, that's what these backslidden people from Europe are teaching you. Taking away your African pride as an African child. We, we don't do that on this continent. No, no, but I've traveled to Europe. I've seen the young people there. They are just an empty shell. They're an empty shell. They may have all the education. They may have all the houses and all the everything. But they're an empty shell. 
Worse when it comes to spirituality, they're the emptiest thing you've ever preached to. They don't know. They are not alive spiritually because it's a blessing to be alive spiritually. Masalana, it's a blessing that you are here on a Thursday night. It's a blessing. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that we have. Somebody shout to the Lord tonight. It's a blessing. I've been to many parts of the world and I've seen and I've watched the young people. They have everything. All the glitz and the glamour, everything. But they're the, most, they're the worst, emptiest shell you can ever find. And they can't figure out why they're an empty shell. When you preach to them, it's like you are preaching to a rock. They can't flow. They can't move. They don't know the anointing. But Alana, I don't know of any greater blessing than the power of God to come upon me. They can't pray like you prayed yesterday. They can't move in the Holy Ghost like you moved in the Holy Ghost. I watched a young man in Germany years ago. I watched a young man in Germany twitch and die before us. He had just taken an overdose of drugs. Many years ago. You know, because you think things are better out there because they have tad roads, they have the latest cars, they are producing this. They may have all that, but the many of them are just an empty shell. I have one of our leaders who was living in one country, Canada. He was telling me that he was living in one of the richest areas. He says, people say they don't go to church. They have their house, they have their car, they have their boat. They say, why do we need God? We have medical aid as well. So if a church is large there, he said, if it's really big, it's 100 people or 300 at the most. It's difficult. In some places, when you go to them, it's like, there's no, it's only Africans who are going into these parts of the world who are trying to bring revival. God's trying to help us. These are the very people who used to bring the gospel to us. And when God prospered them, when the gospel worked for them, they became too important for God like some of you. Huh? You used to come here, you were the first one here, we prayed for you when you didn't have anything. Even when we prayed for things that you didn't call for you, you just wanted to come and be blessed. But now that you have something, you've become important to God. It's a shame. Honor your father and your mother. You can take your seats. Honor your father. Give the Lord a big hand, somebody. Oh. Honor your father and your mother, which is what? The first. Somebody say the first. Yes. Say it again. This one is what unlocks everything. You can, you can have all your plans, I'm telling you. You can have all your plans and all your whatever. Ne? Hear it from me. Hear it from me. You won't go anywhere. No, no, I'm not kissing you, no. I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. You're not going to go anywhere. You see, the heavens are saying amen. You are here, you are not saying amen. The heavens are saying amen. Yeah? Next verse. That it may be well with you. Huh. That it may be well with you. I don't know about you. Now I want things to be well with me. I want them to succeed. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to, you can see I'm happy. You can see. Shababa. Let me be well with you. There's nothing as sad as you have all these things, but inside you are, you are, you are, you are just an empty shell. 
But then the next part says that you may live long. You see, we are burying young people these days in this country. And you've never figured it out, some of you. You've never figured it out. We were wondering, why are I know. Some of them, some of us have tried to talk to them. See, Vasalana, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can be funny to your parents, but you're not going to get away with it when it comes to God. And you're not going to rewrite the Bible for God. These are not suggestions. These are commandments. God is not looking for your opinion. God is not trying to coerce you. God is not lobbying you. He's just telling you, this is how I created everything. You either comply or you perish. Yeah. So that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth. See? You live long whilst it's well with you. It's a long life, but it's a great life. It's a long life, but it's a good life. Now, it's not only in terms of living. It has to do with your career, your money, your health, your relationships, everything. Everything. Many of the young people, I'm telling you, many of our young people, they can't figure it out. You blessed you young people who are listening to this. If I was you, I would self-correct. If I was you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I listen to the news. I listen to people say, well, what's going on? Senzen. Senzen Nikai. Kiyemo. That's what we have done. That's what we have done. You think these kids who are sleeping teachers at school, in primary school, you think that child is going to go anywhere? Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. You think you can do that again? You, you can get away with it with people here. But God knows those kind of things. Masalan, God takes it personally when you dishonor. I'm telling you. That's the one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not ever going to dishonor a parent. Never. 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 I'll never speak bad about them. I'll never gossip about them. I will never let anyone coerce me into a group where they're talking about them. I don't want to. Because some of you, your mouth is uncontrollable. You are very, very opinionated. Talking about things you don't know. And you wonder your life is not going anywhere. You are not linking it to all those things. So, oh, man, fella, who waits? Okay, I know some of you are little man. Umutwi lo naren today. Umutwi. Yo, aba mo kwati si zokana swa tenga skatoro papela. Instead of receiving it as a word from God that's going to deal with your life. Mamela, 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 I've honored my parents. I don't have to say this to you. I'm not benefiting from what I'm saying. No, 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 I've honored my parents. Give you 36 years. It's a gift. I also started one year when. So, so, so let, let's get it right. Well, I'm not, I'm not gaining anything by telling you. As a father, I'm thinking about your future. That's what I'm thinking about. Don't sow seeds of things in your future that are going to be a hurdle for you. And it's very sad when we bump into those things, we don't remember what we did a few years before. God says that it may be well with you that you may live long. Can I hear an amen? amen. So the blessing of honoring fathers, number one, it says it releases the highest kind of blessing. It's you are well and and you live long number two you will receive impartation we've explained that 
But this is not just in terms of the anointing to preach, but it's the anointing to in the fullness of what you are. When God's hand rests on your life to help you fulfill your mission in life. Be an anointed medical doctor. An anointed school teacher. An anointed businesswoman, a businessman. An anointed politician. I think Bishop has shared this and I'll, I'll share it. You don't mind me, my second? Yeah. Years ago, Bishop went through a very difficult time where some people were really, really causing problems for him. And things were bad for him. Business had come to a head. I mean, things were really not good. And he phoned me. You know, we're friends. And he phoned me and said, Musa, this is what's happening. These people, this is what they're trying to do. They're going to do, 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 do. What must I do? I said, just forgive them. Leave them. I know it wasn't easy. <laughs> Maybe come and tell them the story, Bishop. Come and tell them the story. <laughs> I was hurting. In every possible way. Sleepless nights, crying at night, losing a lot of money. And these people were disseminating things that were not true. And everybody was looking at me funny. Then in my heart I prayed, I said, God, I'm hurting so badly, what should I do? The Lord impressed upon my heart, go to your friend. I came to our father, my friend, our bishop. I said, my friend, I'm hurting. This is what is happening in my life. This is where I'm at. What should I do? In fact, one of them was here. Yeah. Came, sat right there in front. And wanted to badmouth me with Bishop. Bishop said, and this I heard out of his mouth. Bishop said to him, how dare you sit here and talk about the man of God. He said, Bishop Sono has sent me back to you to come and ask for forgiveness for what I've done to you. When Bishop gave me advice. The advice is what I did not want to hear. He said, forgive them and release them. When he spoke to me, I received his words as the words of God. I gave up my right to be bitter. I gave up my right to be angry. I gave up my right to, to, to count the losses that I suffered, which ran into millions of rands. Because my friend, my bishop, has said to me, release them and forgive them. And when I did that, the God of this great man came in a powerful way 
and blessed be beyond measure. Restored my name. Legally, God did something that senior counsel told me cannot be done. Yes. Because I listen to my man of God. The lawyer said to me, don't you understand that a judgment against you has been made almost three years ago? But when I went on to my knees, I said, God, your servant said I should forgive. I have forgiven. What now about my name? Long story short, God reversed a judgment which was handed down against me three years ago and restored the dignity of my name. That's the kind of God that we serve if you will just listen when the servants of God speak. And Bishop, from that day when you told me to do what was not comfortable, up until yesterday we cannot stop counting the blessings of God as God continue to add blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing up until yesterday the blessings of the Lord was added so I say thank you Let's give the Lord a big hand. Thanks, my dear friend. Let's thank the Lord for Bishop Friday. Oh. You know, Pastor Alana, it says that Bishop and I, we don't want to go into the full details. But I think since that time to date, I've counted, is it five or six different businesses that you've signed? Big deals with a lot of money. We won't say, some of you, you will faint if we can tell you. One act of obedience. One act of obedience. One. 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 Hosanna, there's a lot of power in obeying God. Let me close. Let me close. Let me close. I want to read from this book here, Bishop Darkie what Mills about the nine fathers of your life. Nine. Yeah, the nine fathers of your life. Oh, there, there's my glasses. I didn't know this. You know, this is amazing. The nine fathers. Somebody say nine fathers. Nine fathers. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's nine fathers. <laughs> Tell them again, it's nine fathers. Tell them again, it's nine fathers. The nine fathers. Where are the nine fathers? I'm looking for them. Yeah, okay. Let me read them for you. It's from his book entitled, My Father, My Father. I tell you, God has anointed this man to write amazing books. The first father is your heavenly father. Luke 11.2. Your heavenly father. Relate with him as a father. Your second father is your father in Christ. This is the person who brought you to the Lord. He or she is one of those 
who gave you, who helped you give your life to Christ and become a born again Christian. The third father is your father in the ministry. This is a person who birthed you into the ministry of the Lord. Through them, you find yourself involved in the work of the gospel. You know, for me, this is such a sad one for me sometimes that we birth sons and daughters. When they start getting invited and getting recognized, they just forget about you. <laughs> you know, and, or they start being funny or, you know. Or we have people who are here in church, people start inviting them. So soon now they resign. And you can see where they've been poached. And, and then when you ask them, they say, no, these, I've had people say, these people find value in my gift. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, had, I've, I've, I've had people tell me that. These people find value. They asked me to come and take their church to another level. They, they depend on me. It's almost like when you don't depend on me and you don't see any value in me. I know my preaching is difficult tonight, but it's, it will help you. It will help you. It will help you. Number four, your biological father. This is the father from whose seed you were born. Number five, I found this one interesting. Your substitute father. This type of father often replaces your biological father. You may find that your biological father is unavailable because of death, divorce, or abandonment. That's one of the things I've learned being the leader of a church. How to be this type of father to many children in our church. And, and I'm being honest with you, Basala. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. And I found that those conversations we've had, sometimes they come for counseling, sometimes they come at Obona, and so on. I only noticed some of them, Aseba Hudili, when they told me what one conversation meant. And I didn't even think much of it when we were doing it. And I've noted that in a church, you are a father figure. And so that's why it's so disgusting when a pastor starts abusing young girls. So disgusting for me. I mean, these young girls, they're my children. They're my kids. I mean, really. And it, we should show them the love of a father. It must have boundaries. We must respect them and honor them. Some of the young men I've counseled for years and years and years. I mean, some of them are sitting here. Some have told me. And I've counseled them, spoke to them, and we spoke about things. Some of them laid aside their bitterness and their anger against their fathers. Went and got their fathers. Supported their fathers till the last day on earth. I see them now running their families. And I see how they're doing it. And I know how much we were able to father them. You can give hope to somebody, Barcelona. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear another amen? Number what? Six. Your father-in-law. Ubabazal. Jethro. Listen to this. Jethro molded Moses. Moses was anointed, but he didn't know administration. It was his father-in-law who advised him, or Moses Bona. You can't see the whole day judge the people. You're going to get tired. You're going to be worn out. Why don't you choose people who are going to help you? 
the father of a church. That's number seven. The father of the church is the founder of the church. Yeah. And I must apologize to you, Bazalana, for not being happy about Founder's Day. I think we will do Founder's Day as we should in the church. We will. See, some of you are not clapping. Beyonce. It's fine. Through their ministry, the church came into existence. And that's why you're going to see the fathers here tomorrow. Many of them have given birth to churches. Yeah. And then the father of a movement, number eight. These are fathers of movement. For example, when you look at Abraham, he is seen as the father of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. There are fathers in our nation when God raised them, many churches were born and planted. I often talk about Pastor Ray. He's not the only one, there's others. But because I'm close to him and I watch, and I remember the one year I traveled to Europe, went to many different countries, and as I visited the different countries, I was struck by how most of the churches, if not all of them, traced their lineage to Rhema. Yeah. Several of those, some I didn't know, some of them were working on staff. Can you imagine? They were just a staff worker. Some of them were ushers. Mara, they went overseas and started mega churches, not small churches, mega churches. Some of them were in the music group. The sad thing for me for those people is that they never even once mentioned Pastor Ray's name. Yeah, not once. Not once. Not once. You know, some people, they want to act like they fell out of a tree. And that is why when I meet people and they say, hey, can you be mentor me? Can we join you? My first question is, who's your father? I want to know. I know you didn't fall out of a tree. Yeah. Who's your father? Saul, even if he wasn't such a great leader, understood that principle. After David killed Goliath, David comes, he's holding the, hand, the head of Goliath in, in, you know, under his armpit, he's bringing it to Saul. Saul doesn't celebrate, say, what a great guy you are. He says, son, who's your father? The reason you can do this is because your father has influenced your life. Who's your, I can see your achievement, Mara. Who's your father? Yeah. When I meet people, even these pastors here who are asking me to mentor them, all of them, I've asked them. Murti says, I've asked them. I've asked them, all of them. They know that. The first question I asked them, I said, who's your father? First question I said, no, you want to relate with me? I don't want to relate with you if I don't know who your father is. Who's your father? Who's your spiritual father? Which church do you come from? Hmm? You remember, I asked you the same question, and I found out he was in the church here years ago, and of course he did go somewhere, but he knows his roots. Yeah. All of them. All of them. I, don't, I don't want to connect with spiritual, these pastors who don't have fathers. I have no time for them. I don't want to mix with them. I don't want to influence them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. I'll tell you why, Bazalana, because... Because the, those are the ones who they were raised in a place and they left dishonoring. I don't want to be, bring that spirit of dishonor in my life. I've honored my fathers, both biological and spiritual. In this church, that's why God's blessing us the way he's blessing us. We honor people here. I don't want to bring in a virus in the system. No, I don't want a virus. No, no, no. We've got a very strong antivirus. It's updated every day. The latest update is there. It's got a powerful firewall. Yeah. 
But he says, some of you, you are not. You are connecting with people who are rebels from their churches. Going out to go support their ministry. I remember years ago, I saw people going to support the rebel. I said, but Mutole, they know God spoke to me. Karamara, which God are you talking to? How does God make you go support someone who's broken his father's heart, who's broken the church, and is a rebel? Which God are you talking about? Some of you, it's your pride talking to you. God's not involved with that. God's not involved with that. And then you see a few years later, the church, I know the one guy, you know, left and, and then took our cell group, made a church out of it. Ronaldo Remoto is running a cell. I'm telling you, took our cell group, took some of our leaders, put them there to make a church out of it. So I called him, I asked him, I said, ha, what are you doing? This is our cell group. He said, no, God spoke to me. I said, but how does God speak to you to take our cell? I don't mind if you want to go start a church. Leave our cell alone. Now you misconstrued me. And you know what he said to me? He said, you think you're the only one who's anointed? Some of you are very proud. There's a lot of proud people. He said, you think you're the only one. He said, I can see you. You want to be the only one who preaches. You think you're the only one that God can use. I said, what do you mean? I've got... When people have reached that stage, but when people have reached that stage, there's not much you can do. Not much you can do. As I speak, their church is non-existent. If it's there, it's limping. They haven't gone anywhere. This is somebody whom I met years ago, even before I became a pastor. Embraced them, loved them, taught them. Oh, you know when you're a father, you must just be prepared for your heart to be broken a thousand times and still love after that. Yes, somebody I met, spoke to them, brought them in, talked to them, tried them, prayed for them, helped them, tried to embrace them. We, we, I remember we needed some help. We asked the, their company to help us. This and this. You are doing all that. When they tend those people, you become the worst enemy. Satan enters people's hearts. Judas. He was walking around with Jesus, Jesus healing people, everything. The day Satan entered his heart, he forgot everything. Person, you've got to watch yourself. I'm telling you. Satan is the one who perpetrates that. Because remember, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care. Judas ends up hanging himself. This is a man who could have been counted with the 12 apostles in heaven. He would be there among the 12 apostles in heaven. Their names are written in heaven. In heaven, they have a special place. Before Jesus chose the 12 apostles, he prayed all night. This is a man who was a result of an all-night prayer. God was involved. Like some of you, God has started you. God is involved. Now on the way, you allow Satan to enter your heart. I'm telling you. No, these are serious things. I know you don't like to hear them, but they're serious things. Maybe I should start teaching about them more often. I've seen, I've seen too many fatalities. I've seen too many people, their life going down. Because even when we try to model this, come on tomorrow, we're going to honor people. Some of you, you still won't learn from that. You won't learn. You won't learn. You won't see how we honor people. Even after we've honored, you'll still be dishonoring us. Forgive. So the father of a church 
father number eight, the father of a movement, and the last father, father number nine, a father in sin. A father in sin is the one who introduces you. They taught you how to smoke. They coerced you to have sex out of marriage. They taught you how to drink. They taught you how to cheat. There are people who father us in wrong things. They taught you how to curse. You know when you do these things and it's the first time you do it, your conscience hits you. But this father has been doing it for so long. They don't feel anything. And so in closing, Barcelona, here's what I'll ask us to do tonight. And I know I've gone long. I did warn you about it. Number one, those of us who are fathers and we haven't fathered as we should, let's repent for not being the father that God wants us to be. An absentee father, a distant father, let's repent. Number two, let us admit and acknowledge that we didn't have an opportunity sometimes to be fathered ourselves. Sometimes the reason we can't father is that we're not fathered. You know, and the charismatic movement is a movement of breakaway people. It's people who left their churches. They broke away. So when you start as a breakaway group, you just started on a wrong footing because you were just not properly fathered. You didn't know how to transition properly as a son. You did the prodigal son stuff. Give me what belongs to me. I'm grown up. So one of the things we must deal with in our kinds of churches, Barcelona, and I'm trying to correct this, this fatherless spirit that characterizes our kind of churches where everybody wants to be a breakaway, they want to start their own thing. Even when God hasn't spoken to them. Or where people like to poach and steal. Or where people are church hoppers. They are restless people. God, the Bible talks about how God puts the solitary in families. God plants you in a home. You've got, you've got to be planted in a church. You've got to stay. You've got to, you'll grow. Stay in a church. Don't run around. No, but we have people who are, you know, it's almost like they're looking for the, the best new thing in town. So they go to this one, they go to that 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 one. You see people, it's like a crop rotation. Some churches where you come, there's new people in the church. All of them. There's nobody who has been there for five years, ten years, twenty years. Nobody. It's all new people. And they're all rotating and everybody's moving. And everybody wants to, and then of that group, everybody's starting their own church. And nobody, nobody has a father. Nobody relates to anybody. We must stop that. I said we must stop that. You may criticize mainline churches, Bazalana, but for me, I admire them in the mainline churches. Even when they change their pastors, they stay, to the, they stay in the church. I know one church personally where they, they haven't had a pastor for the last five years, but the members are still there. This group doesn't know how to belong to a home. We're looking for the next best thing in town. The next new movement. The next new thing. 
Number three, let us repent for not showing honor to the fathers, whether natural or spiritual. Number three, let us allow the truth of God's word to dig into the foundations of our, our lives and to dig out things that are a time bomb. Let's allow that, Bazalan. God has been good to let it rain on us tonight. Number, f- number five, let us not fight against God's word when it challenges us. Number six, let us yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit when he has shown you where you must make right. Just like that guy I was talking about yesterday who gave a public apology. I'm not saying give a public apology, but if God is prompting you to go make right with somebody, I've sent people back who came to see me. I say, you go back to your father and make right. There's one man in one church. I met him, and he was saying, I said, and I know knowing them to be from the other church. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, no, 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 Karo. Why did you come here? Oh. I said, go back to your church. I mean, their pastor right now is elderly. He's sick. He's not doing well. I said, that man at that age needs someone of your age to take care of them. Last year sometime, when that pastor came to see me, here this man was with them. He said, let's be reconcilers and not divide us. Let's be reconciled. Let's not be afraid to tell people the truth. Let's not try to build our own kingdom by breaking somebody else's kingdom. Let's not leverage other people's loss and celebrate their loss because their loss has come to me. If we have people in our church come here, they know these musicians, they know. When I see somebody I don't know, I say, where do they come from? I don't care about their good voice. Where do they come from? Which church? Because if they left their church and we don't know who they are, I don't want them here. They must go back to their church. Years ago, there's a musician I was going to invite, very popular musician. I knew them to be a member of a certain church, even if they are a well-established musician. I phoned their pastor. I said, I want to invite so-and-so to come and sing at our church. Is it okay with you? Which is another thing that most people don't do. They don't honor pastors. If somebody is in a member in a church, you've got to ask from their pastor. If they're a musician, you ask from their pastor. Don't, don't talk to them first. Talk to their pastor. Let it be their pastor who talks to them. Oh, you don't like my sermon. I'm going to keep you here until 12 midnight tonight. Yeah. We don't have protocol in the kingdom. This pastor was so shocked. He said, in all my life, I've never met any pastor who has ever done that. He said, they invite this young man. Then he takes the invitation and absents himself at the church. Yeah. Yeah. He said, look, there's no problem. He can come and sing. So when he came and sang, I said, in fact, I said, you speak to him. I won't speak to him. You speak to him. Tell him, Bishop Musa, Pastor Musa, then he's inviting you to come to the church. So he came, he sang, and then he went back to that pastor. Yeah? Why? I'm honoring a father. You don't go into somebody's home. Basalam, you don't, you don't, you don't barge into somebody's home and engage the family without the, the head of the home being involved in it. What kind of a person are you? But we have people come into your church all the time. The churches we lead. They, and some of you, you, you're foolish enough just to run. You don't even ask them the hard question of, did you speak to my pastor? You don't ask them. You can see how like already there, there's an agreement. 
Some of them, the way they tell you, you know, if you can say no, it's going to cause problems. So you just say yes because you don't want any issues in any politics. Yeah. Number what? I see you are quiet now. Number what? Number seven. Let us be intentional about praying for the transformation of this area in the church world. The church world has erred in dishonoring fathers. And finally, let's be that godly example of being good fathers. Let's try to be that example. And so, Vazalana, tonight I wanted to share this and set you up for tomorrow. So that when you see these gospel veterans, you must know a father will never let you know their pain. You see a father smile and their heart is bleeding a thousand times. Yeah. Many of these veterans have carried wounds and pain. They were criticized and maligned. They were disowned by their generation. Some of them as, as not well will announce tomorrow. One of them can't come tomorrow because they're not well. Yeah. I was with them not long ago and I saw the pain they're in. But with that pain, they were preaching. They were teaching. Yeah. And some insensitive people want to say, well, who, who's going to succeed them? What an insensitive question. I know a pastor in another church years ago who was lying in hospital on a deathbed. People came to see him to get the double portion of the anointing. I'm telling you. They would take his hand, put it on the head. They want a double portion. They couldn't care to pray for the brother, the man to be healed. That's what fathers go through. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, somebody's lying there, lying there, lying there. Last stages of their lives. People don't care to pray for them and believe God that they'll be well. No, they're, they're looking for their mental. So you are used as a dispensable, a disposable item. It's for what people get out of you. It's not about you. Not about your welfare. You'll see them, they'll be here tomorrow. And tomorrow, Bazalan, I ask you to honor them. I ask you to honor them. For my sake, for the sake of our church, but most of all, as I close, Bazalan, I believe we're going to see a turnaround in Southern Africa. I believe that. Where number one, God is going to bring order to the church. If you think you're uncomfortable tonight, this is just the beginning of your discomfort. These things we've done have held us hostage from receiving a move of God. And I'm seeing it, it's raining now. It's raining today. It's been dry all along. I'm just thinking, just yesterday, we were repenting, just yesterday. I know the rain is not much, but just yesterday, Kimo, it's raining. There are things that we are blocking in the spiritual through our disobedience. And that's the theme that we're going to have for next year. I just feel that it's going to be like a fresh start next year. God is going to unblock us next year. Can I hear an amen?
Southern Africa, please listen. Tomorrow, there's going to be a turning point in the spirit. Tomorrow, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a change. There's going to be a transformation. Even in your lives, that transformation will come as well. Yeah. Tonight, let's lay aside everything that's wrong that we've done against fathers. Let's just ask God, God, we are sorry. Because tomorrow when we come here, so that however you impart upon us, God, we will receive. I believe we are the generation, Bazalon. We are the generation that's going to pick up the baton Continue with their legacy and exclude the foolishness of our childhood days. And I believe we're going to see in the same way we see God move in Nigeria, in Ghana, in Cote d'Ivoire. The same way we see mega churches in Kenya, in many parts of the world. Southern Africa. Southern Africa. Southern Africa. Southern Africa. Your time has come on God's calendar. We will stand as prophets of our generation. So that there's a shift that's engineered in the spirit. Lift up your eyes and look. The seasons are changing. So tomorrow respect them. Come dressed in your vintage clothes. Arrive on time. Bring a good offering. We're going to bless these veterans. We're going to honor them tomorrow. Tomorrow. They are coming from Lesotho, Botswana, Namibia, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Malawi, they're coming tomorrow. They're going to be here. Lesotho, come on, somebody. They'll be here. They'll be here. We have several from South Africa, several of them. They will be here tomorrow. They'll be here. You'll see them. They'll be sitting here. And I think about if you're to quantify, I know we can't, but if you're to quantify the weight. Of the anointing that will be housed in here. If you can quantify the extent of the anointing and the power, the extent of the wisdom and the knowledge and the direction and the experience, they'll be here, some of them very frail. But my goodness, this treasure will be carried in an earthen vessel. And my prayer is that as they talk to us and at the end we're going to have them pray for us. God is going to release something that like never before. Bazalana, tonight we're just going to join hands and pray in a corporate prayer. Very short prayer and then we'll receive the offering. It's one of those nights. Let's stand on our feet please. Let's stand on our feet please.
Thank you, Jesus. Follow me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, Your word has been real tonight. In my life. I know it's a sobering word. Very difficult to receive. But I receive the engrafted word with meekness. Because it's able to save my soul. For the wrongs we've committed in our generation, certain things we didn't know, we were ignorant of the truth. But the entrance of your word has brought light tonight. And the Holy Spirit, like a rod, like a hammer, has shattered every ignorance. Your word, which is alive and powerful, it has pierced me, even to the dividing asunder, of soul and spirit joints and marrow your word has come into my heart challenged me and I receive your truth even though my heart might be in pain I humble myself and so we ask you I ask you, please forgive me for my dishonor, disrespect. Forgive me for my words, dishonoring words, disloyalty, disunity, bad mouthing, bad thoughts. Lying, Lying. spreading rumors, rumors. bad attitudes. attitudes. Forgive me. me. I didn't handle myself well in the house of God. God. From the depth of my heart, heart. I'm I'm sorry. Not only forgive me, Forgive my generation. Be merciful, God. Mercy. Mercy. We want things to be well with us. We want to live long. We want to receive an impartation. We want to be established. We want your blessing. And so as we repent, as we turn around, as you forgive us, please release upon us 
Only what you can release. I thank you that your word says if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I declare I've been cleansed. I am forgiven. A new day has come. All the curses, all the evil influences, all the open doors for the enemy have been slammed shut in his face. In the name of Jesus. And now I rise by the authority of the name of Jesus. And I speak against every sickness, every disease, every malady, every work of Satan, every interference, every infiltration of the work of the enemy. Satan, I command you, take your hands off my life in the name of Jesus. Sickness, I command you, get out of my life in the name of Jesus. Misfortune, I command you, get out of my life in the name of Jesus. Every cloud of darkness, I command you, be rolled back, be removed in the name of Jesus. And now I receive the reign of God, the open heavens, the blessing of God. And now I receive the favor of God, the favor that comes from you. And now I receive the work of the Holy Spirit coming upon my life. And now I receive the hand of God that rests upon my life. God, you fight for me. God, you lead me. God, you restore everything that I have lost. Restore me. Restore my spirituality. Restore my devotion. Restore my mission. Restore my vision. Restore my path. In the name of Jesus, I receive your blessing. I receive your blessing. I receive your blessing. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. God's favor is upon my life. I am blessed. I am blessed. God's favor is upon my life. Father, I thank you today for this new beginning and this new day and for the turnaround in my life. And now I raise my voice in anticipation, in faith. I raise my voice in thanksgiving because this declares and this is a sign. This marks the beginning of a new day. As I raise my voice in praise and adoration, I want to thank you for a new day. And as, as I receive your prophetic word tonight, in Jesus' name, give the Lord a big powerful hand of praise tonight.
Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Come on, somebody shout. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph.